Welcome to episode 48 of the Elevate Podcast. Whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, I'm glad you have. My guest was a basketball player at the University of Richmond, in which his university created an award named after him, which has only been awarded five times in the program's history. It is given to a player who exemplifies the qualities of team leadership, dedication, and outstanding play. He went on to spend 40 years in the game of basketball. He has coached at all levels, including 13 years in the NBA. He was a top assistant for Doc Rivers in the 2008 NBA World Championship Boston Celtics, and the most recently served as assistant coach and vice president of basketball operations with the Los Angeles Clippers. He's a corporate speaker and internationally known, working with Nike and their camps for many years. He's also the author of one of my favorite books recently, Why the Best Are the Best, Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Kevin Eastman. How are you this morning? Doing great. Doing great. Looking forward to this. Excited to have you on the podcast. One of the best minds in basketball, in my opinion. One thing I wanted to jump right into, a quote in your book, success lies in simplicity, confusion, and sophistication. Why in life and sports do we tend to overcomplicate things? Well, because I think we want to show people how important we are and how smart we are. And uh, sometimes it's not the, um, the intellect that's important as the connection uh, that's important when you're leading people or you're coaching a team. So, um, you know, I, in, in basketball, I guess you could say like a, a pick and roll. So there may be six, seven, eight ways you can defend the pick and roll. But for each new way that you put on your team, that probably adds a split second of thinking before they actually execute that. And what you find in a quick moving sport like basketball is um, you want guys to just play not to think for two seconds and then play. So uh, the, the key really is, is, I don't think it's not how much you know, it's, it's how much that they can learn and execute because you can't throw everything at them. And, uh, you know, confusion leads to hesitation, which uh, can lead to doubt, which can put you behind from the beginning. So, um, you know, I, I remember I was in, um, <clears throat> when I was coaching with the Clippers, I was waiting to be picked up downstairs of the condo complex uh, that we lived in. And across from me sitting down was a father and a son. And I can't remember the exact title of the book, but it was something like he was telling his son, he just read a great book. And the, the title was something like simplifying everything in your life. Mm. So the son said, wow, that sounds interesting. What was it really about? And there was a pause and a pause and a pause. And the dad said, you know, it's hard to explain. So I'm thinking to myself, there you have it. That's our problem. If the, if the book title is uh, something to simplify your life and you can't explain it, we got problems. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a perplexing uh, little situation there. I hope the kid finally got his answer later in life. Yeah, he may still be walking around the lobby. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, in your book, Why the Best are the Best, 
uh, one of my favorite things you talk about is mastering the abilities. Can you talk about a few of those abilities and why they're so important? Well, uh, abilities is probably not a word in the uh, Merriam-Webster dictionary, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I never met this person whose last name is Webster. So why, why who says that they're always right, right? So for me, abilities is a word. And uh, I'll explain it thus, thusly. Um, if the two probably most popular abilities that all leaders talk about and all teams want to make sure that they master are responsibility and accountability. So both of those end in that, that ability word, right? So when you put a bunch of abilities together, that's what they are, abilities. So that's why I say master the abilities. So there's responsibility, there's accountability, but there are more than that, whether you are on a team or you're trying to get the, um, the best out of yourself, right? So as, as I go down some of these, anyone who's in a leadership position or a coaching position or anyone who wants to be successful, just cross-check yourself, like where am I relative to this ability? So we talked about accountability, uh, we talked about responsibility. One of the biggest ones you'll hear in pro sports is availability. Yeah. Doesn't matter how good the player is, if they're never on the field or the court or swimming in the lanes in the pool, who cares how good they are? They're never performing uh, for your team to help you uh, win that game. So, you know, adaptability, vulnerability is important. Um, other ones are credibility, compatibility. But what, what the, the key is, people should think about what abilities are important for them and their lives, or if they're in a leadership position for the teams that they are leading, whether that be a sports team or a corporate team. So, but there's two parts to it, coming up with whatever those abilities are, like the ones we said, yep. and then also defining what those are. So your people know exactly what you're talking about. Like responsibility, we, we kind of took this from the, the New England Patriots. Um, and they have a sign in their locker room. It just simply says this, do your job. So we added a word to that and we said, do your job completely. All facets of your role, all facets of your job, all facets of your job description in corporate America. Um, responsibility, that's all, uh, is doing your job. Accountability is owning up to your actions, your words, your mistakes, and your failures. Just own up to them. Because once you own up is when the team can move up, right? It's yeah. so important. If you have a team of blame and a team of playing the victim, you're never going to get to where you want to go. Dependability. Can we count on you? Like every day. Can we count on you? Are you dependable? Vulnerability. Why is that important to a leadership position? You know, no leader will have every answer. What you hope is that they're vulnerable enough to say, I don't know the answer to this, but what I'm hoping is we hired enough right people that the answer is in our building or the answer is in this room or this boardroom, whatever it is. Uh, credibility, another important one. Do your actions match your words, right? That's how you gain credibility. So that's what I mean by the, the, the abilities. Uh, one I wanted to jump on, the vulnerability. Uh, I find that incredibly important, I think, and also misunderstood. Um, can you explain maybe a little bit why vulnerability can open us up to 
greater leadership and greater teamwork? Well, I, I think first off, it, 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 it sets the tone that you are not perfect. And I think trying to be perfect is one of the things that, that can really thwart a leader on a daily basis. It's one of those daily challenges. Like having all the answers is a daily leadership challenge. Like in all the books, it said you should have all the answers, right? Being perfect, uh, a leader, just like our teachers, right? Remember, remember in grade school, you would go to the supermarket and you'd see your teacher there and he'd be like, oh, I didn't know teachers went and bought groceries. I thought <laughs> yeah. they just were in the classroom. Yeah. Right. So uh, vulnerability uh, uh, says that, that, hey, look, I'm going to do my best, but I, I won't have every answer. It also creates inclusion, which is important. Mm -hmm. If I don't have the answer, I'm going to count on you guys uh, on the team here to help us find the answer. So it goes from an I dominated, me dominated culture to a us and we dominated culture. Um, and I think it's important for, for people that you lead to know that you don't think you're God's gift to this industry or you're God's gift to this job. You know, you could argue that the reverse is true. The job or the industry is, is you know, God's gift to you, right? Sure, no doubt. Uh, you're fortunate to have a job that you love to do. So those are some of the things in terms of vulnerability that, that I think it, it uh, it sends messages. Uh, awesome. The, uh, it's been a great deal of time with uh, great Doc Rivers. One of my favorite quotes that I believe is attributed to him, average players want to be left alone, good players want to be coached, and great players want the truth. Why is the truth and developing that trust through truth so critical if you want to have a championship caliber team? Well, the first thing I'm going to say is based on uh, how you prefaced your question. There are only two people in this world who think Doc is great, you and Doc. So, <laughs> so and now we'll cut that part out if he's listening. Because uh, he was, he was um, I had the good fortune of being able to, uh, to work with him for 13 years uh, in two different uh, uh, NBA cities in Boston and Los Angeles. So the reason, you know, if, especially if any, if, if coaches or even players are listening right now, uh, you have to ask yourself which one of those three you want to be. Um, if you do want to be average, you know, you do want to be left alone. Hey, coach, you know, um, I'm on the team. I got hallway cred. I got street cred. I got cred in my house because now my parents are off my butt. I finally didn't make a sports team, right? But coach, leave me alone. I just really want the uniform. I don't even need to sweat in it. Just let people see me out there that I'm on this team. So they're average. The good, the good players, they truly do want to be coached. They want to know how they can be the best they can be at the role they've been given, right? And that's how you become good, that you become that you, you, you master the role you've been given. But if you want to separate yourself to be one of the best, maybe in your league, be the best on your team, maybe be the best in your state, maybe be the best in the country, it's a new level. You have to know, truthfully know, what you're doing well so you can keep doing those things and even enhance those things. And what are you not doing well? What's keeping you from getting to becoming your best? You need to know that as well. But here's the thing. I think truth 
everyone equates truth to negativity. Yeah. And it's really not that. You know, the, the old saying goes that the truth hurts. Mm-hmm. Well, no, not to the best players, not to the most productive people in corporate America. The truth doesn't hurt. It helps. Now, it stings a little bit. I have found that it turns my ears red sometimes because I get embarrassed, right? But if I really sit down and think about what was just told to me, it was told to me in a way that if you do this, you can become even a better version of yourself. So, um, so that's why I, I always talk about two things relative to this word truth. And that is that all of us need to do a truth audit. Like we should sit and self-reflect on what, what are we good at? What are we not good at? And then if we're not good at something, that's probably a gap we have. So as a leader, maybe you want to fill those gaps with some people you hire. Or you want to work on that gap to the point where it's no longer a gap. So with this truth audit, sometimes people have a hard time really evaluating themselves. Uh, it's just some people do. It's just kind of the way it is. So if that's the case, then you have to have some truth tellers in your life. Those people who will sit down with you and they will tell you the truth about what you're doing well, about what's keeping you from getting to where you want to go, about maybe a skill that's truly needed in the position you hold that you're not quite up to par yet. So truth becomes, I think, the single most important word in all of success, no matter what you do. Because if you don't have it, you won't know where you stand relative to where you want to go. Spent a lot of time around some great players. Is there a player or athlete that taught you something along your journey that sticks out? Um. Yeah, probably there's, you, you probably learned something from uh, so many different people, right? Sure. The key is to keep your eyes and your ears open because lessons are in front of you each and every day. And um, Jay Billis, I don't know if your listeners will know who he is, but uh, obviously, uh, Tyler, by shaking your head, you know who he is. So he calls basketball uh, on ESPN, college basketball. And he said something to me one time that has stuck with me. He said, Everyone you meet knows something you don't know. That's what he said. So then I took it home and started to think about it. That means I should be, I should have my ears open and my eyes open anytime I'm in front of someone because you never know when they might throw a pearl of wisdom at you. I call it when wisdom walks into your life. You have to be ready to, to, to see it, to hear it, and then to capture it. So like um, for Kevin Garnett, Uh, He taught me a great leadership lesson. And that leadership lesson was never put demands on the people you lead that you won't put equal to or greater demands on yourself. Mm. Because a huge part of leadership is the example that you set and the example that they see each and every day. So what is that? If you're demanding of them to work even harder, are they seeing you working harder? You know, um, And Kevin also taught me that you can be a great player, an NBA all-star, a future, well, now he's going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, and do it by really doing a lot of the invisible things that are on the floor. Yeah. Right? Like hustling all the time, diving on the floor. That's not a statistic that's put in the newspapers every day. 
but he was really good and he built his career and he became really good because of the invisible things he did. You know, the visible things are the scoring, the swishes, the dunks. Sure, he did some of that, but what really made him special were the invisible things. And then uh, you take a guy like J.J. Reddick, a great shooter, uh, played at Duke, right? The team that everybody loves to hate, right? (laughs) Yeah. We'll tell you that too. Oh, yeah. Especially Carolina fans that may be listening. But (laughs) if people study J.J., they'll find a lot of things. Number one, he, he told himself the truth and he changed the way he went about uh, caring for his body. You know, he wasn't as cut and as physically fit in college as he is today. Yeah. And the other thing I found out is JJ is one of the best shooters in the world, but he's not in the gym 27 hours a day. But what he does is when he goes in and does his hour to 90 minute to two, whatever it is, his workout, it is so efficient. And I remember Chris Paul saying, gosh, every practice shot JJ takes are the exact same shots he's going to take in a game at the exact same speed from the exact same spots. So it makes sense, Chris was saying, that he can, he can do that in, in real time in a real game. Because he's so efficient, he knows what he, need, he needs to work at, and he does that uh, every day. And then that's the other lesson that you learn from the best of the best. They understand the power of the word every. Mm. You see, when you want to become your best or the best, you, you, you don't kind of do it when you feel like. Yep. Like we were talking about you working out, and I asked you, <laughs> do you do it every day? And then you said, yeah, and you told me what time. It's the every that is the separator for average to good and good to great and great to the most important step. Everybody thinks great is the most important step. No, being your best is the most important step that any individual can take. I love that part. Strive to be your best, not the best. Uh, one of my other favorite things, I'm a big believer that mindset drives your skill sets, is the triangle you talk about, the mindset, skill set, reset. Can you talk about the importance of those, those three? Well, you know, I, I, I had heard for so long the books I read and the people I listened to, they all talked about the importance of mindset. And I, I, I did believe uh, that was important. But anything you hear and learn, I think you should put deeper thought to it and more sustained thought to it. Like just because they said it doesn't mean it may be true. You know, there are myths of success. Yeah. Like one of the myths is uh, networking will get you anywhere you want to go. No, actually, that's false. Networking is a number. It's the number of you, number of people you meet. Well, if you just meet them and exchange cards, all they know about you is the piece of paper. The separator is if you build relationships with those people you meet. Networking is the number. Relationship is the success driver. Yeah. Right? Because when you build a strong relationship, that's when your networking will pay off for you, right? So there are some myths. So I started to think deeper about mindset. And I said, well, that's not the only thing because you can really want to do something, have a positive attitude, but you have no idea how to build a house. (laughs) And yet you want to be a a contractor or a laborer. You have to have the skill set. So whatever skills you need to be, 
good or great or you're best at what you do, that's on you. It's on you to figure out what those skills are and it's on you to, to figure out ways you can improve in those skills. So that skill set. Uh, mindset is, is to us, you know, so important because so often what your mind says, says, like if you don't think you can, you probably won't. Right. You know, if you think you have a shot, you're probably going to work for it. If you believe that you put the work in, you know, then, then you will have confidence. If you go in with the mindset of being positive that day, chances are you will be positive. As a leader, if you go in that day knowing that there will be a problem come across your desk, that's part of the definition of being a leader. You sit at a bigger desk, that means more problems can come to you because you have a greater surface to put them down on, right? And then reset is so important because that speaks to, the, to two things that happen to all of us, mistakes, and failure. And with mistakes, I think a philosophy people should think about considering having as part of their mindset is with mistakes, just make new ones. Don't make the same one over and over again, because if you do, you are where you should be, right? You are where you should be. And if you're not where you want to be, you are where you should be because you keep making that same mistake over and over. Now, if you lead your team or your company with 7,432,728 mistakes this month, they should let you go. Yeah. The team should yeah. cut you. The team should never play you. And then there's failure. Everybody's going to fail at some point. So what do you do with it? You know, you can treat failure as devastation or education. Successful people treat it as education. They may be down for a day, down for two days, but they're not going to allow themselves to be down for two years because they are going to figure out what didn't work, what did I learn from it, from it and how can I stop it from happening again? Devastation or education? Will it pick you up or set you down? Like will, will it start you or stop you? Right? Those are some of the things that are important. And, you know, a lot of people where failure comes into play is uh, they fear the consequence of failure even before they start. So I would ask all of your listeners, whether it's a player who's young and maybe not as confident as they should be, a coach who's not sure if they should try changing something this year, or maybe running, changing a defense in a game, right? If you fear the consequence of failure, put equal fear to the consequence of never trying. Yeah. What happens if you tried and it worked, right? How about that? People never look at it that way. They always say, what if I try, I'll fail. Like for me, I was scared to death going into the NBA. Everyone says, oh, it must be great to coach Hall of Fame players and NBA All-Stars and coach in All-Star games. And, and, and you know, we won the, 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 the NBA title in, in Boston to coach a, a title uh, team. Well, guess what? Hall of Fame players put Hall of Fame expectations on your knowledge, Hall of Fame expectations on your work ethic, Hall of Fame expectations on your ability to adjust during a game, Hall of Fame expectations on your communication with them. Like, when you get to the pros, you understand that you can't talk in paragraphs. You have to talk in bullet points. Boom, boom, boom. You get in, you make your correction, you get out. Because the older a guy gets, once their sweat dries, 
they're done. You, it, it, one of the things we always try to do with, with docs teams is never let the players sweat dry during a practice, right? Oh. Keep them moving, right? So you have to be so good with your knowledge of the game, you can go in and in seven words, tell them exactly what they need to do versus, you know, on that particular uh, possession, the derivative of your execution was extremely well misplaced. And they're like, what the heck are you talking about? Just tell me what I need to do. I'll do it. Right. Right. So how do you treat failure? What is your mindset? Is your skill set strong enough that you can get to where you want to go? I like the, you brought up the seven seconds kind of thing or the seven words. I've always been a big believer. Spend a lot of time with football teams. If you can't make a correction in seven seconds on the field, just save it for film. Yeah, that's a great that's a great philosophy. I mean, I think I, I think just like you said, boom, boom. But I mean, especially you get the dynamic of different, you know, larger groups and football. Man, we're gonna have film tomorrow. But if you can't correct it in seven seconds, they probably won't be able to learn it in seven seconds either. Yeah, I'm writing that down. That's a good. One. <laughs> um, so, 2020 has been a, a crazy year with sports shuffling, uh, coaching conventions going virtual, speaking engagements. What has 2020 taught you this year or maybe made you re-examine? Well, I guess the teaching is your flexibility and your ability to change, right? Your ability, ability to tweak. So I was live on stage in my speaking business 60 to 70 times a year. Yeah. And then it went to a complete stop on March 11, I believe it was for me. I had just gotten done speaking to a, uh, a special forces training program that was uh, having their sessions up uh, near the mountains in New Hampshire. So once done, I drove down to Boston and was ready to fly out of Boston the next day to go speak in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas to a, a, a big insurance group. Well, that night, I got on the phone with the people in Little Rock and uh, we agreed mutually that they, you know, they're going to cancel that. They yeah. canceled it. And it was a great decision for me too. Uh, so right away, you know, I, not right away because no one thought it would go this long. I, I, I don't think early on, but you learn, you just got to be flexible. So, you know, some people and, and early on in this, in the pandemic in particular, some people were really concerned because some of their salespeople, let's say, they were uncomfortable talking to a computer when they weren't in front of the person that they were trying to pitch to. Mm. Well, <clears throat> what I always said to those people is, look, if you believe in your message when you're in front of the people, the only thing that has changed is the medium. How you get that message through to that person. It goes through the, 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 the computer and the internet, right? So if your message is good, the message shouldn't change. It's just the medium have changed. And get comfortable. If you want to stand up when you're doing these things, great, stand up. If you want to sit down like I always do uh, in these uh, Zoom calls, sit down. Be comfortable. Speak as if you're in front of people. If you use your hands a lot, use your hands a lot here, right? Uh, if, you're, if your tonation goes up and down, uh, do the same thing uh, here. Let them feel you through the screen. So I would say flexibility is number one. And then it forced everybody to slow down and maybe even stop for a little bit. And I hope with that stoppage came uh, greater depth of thought, right? Thinking a little bit deeper because maybe you had a little bit more time during the day. Because 
you know, I, I get kind of cut and hit sometimes because people say you spend too much time thinking about something, just do it. <laughs> well, that's my nature. So I have to get better at that. But for me, uh, it allowed me to sit down and think, what do I really love to do? And in these next five, 10, 15 years, how can I be good at that? And then even better at that. And the second thing is, what else can I add if I want to and feel I can become good at it to help people become better at what they do? So like for me now, I'm, I'm, I'm formulating uh, some, some virtual training programs, um, more for the corporate world right now. Sure. Uh, so, so that's kind of what it, uh, it made me think of. And, and the other thing is how important the invisible people in this world are the nurses, the doctors we never talk about, right? The, the, the people who are still serving food, right? The policemen, the firefighters, you don't think about them until you need them, right? But they're, they're, they're so important. So it's hard to get me to understand that there's a lot more important people in this world than me. Yeah. My wife's a nurse, so I appreciate that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, but I, I, I've had that thought too, working with athletes and sports and seeing that slow. And sometimes you're like, who, who needs me today? Who needs me today? And mm -hmm. it's quieter these days. And when she goes to work, someone always needs her. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's different, but uh, I've had the same, same thought. Um, last question. One of the ones we love to ask is, Coach, how do you define success? Yeah, that's a tough one because it's a word that I think a lot of people say they know, but when you ask them to put what it is they know in words, it's hard. So I think the basic concept for success for me is, is capability versus accomplishment. It's not so much what you've accomplished in life that makes you successful. It's deep down knowing it's not about the accomplishments. It's about what you're capable of accomplishing. That's why I love, uh, Michael Jordan said something to me one time. We were out in Santa Barbara uh, working at this camp that had the best college basketball players in the country. And each uh, afternoon we would drill them. And each night they would play in front of a, a sold out arena. Just townspeople were allowed to come and watch. Uh, and, and attached to this was Michael Jordan's little kids camp right so we're watching the college players and of the 10 players on the floor probably six of them are now nba all-stars that's how good the game was right so um as it was winding down and they're about to come together because he always used to bring the guys in together at, at midcourt and then send them say a message to them before they left for the night yeah. he turned and he said you know they don't understand and I thought, I said, what, 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 what don't they understand? He said, they don't understand. I said, Michael, what, what, what are you saying? What do they don't understand? He said, all these guys are so good. And they're the best probably at their college. And they may be one of the best in the country. But when they come up to our level, the NBA, they're rookies again. It starts all over. They don't know how hard. And I said, but what's the message? And he said, the message is this. Success doesn't stop once you get there. Success doesn't stop once you get there. So, so kind of whittling it all down, and, and I, I, I have this message written down. This is, this is what it means to me. Getting out of life 
what you are capable of, regardless of the challenges or circumstances that are thrown before you so that you can live your life's purpose. Right? That to me, if you're doing what you're really good at and it can help others, there's no better definition for me uh, of being successful or success. You're doing what you're capable of doing and you're not concerned about the accomplishments. Accomplishments are things that are attained during your way, during your journey. But your capability is your personal challenge to yourself. This is what you were given. Are you getting the most out of it?